Anthony Codling is here with us again. You might have heard his episode on a roundup of 2022, but we've got him back today to talk about what might just happen in 2023 and discuss everything that, uh, well, is on the horizon. So Anthony is CEO of Twindig uh, and he's a leading economist. So thank you, Anthony, for all of your time, not just today, but across the year in this series as well. Oh, pleasure pleasure to be back although this is my you know this is this is the episode I worry the most about you know because it's yeah there is the most that hinges on this episode and we will hold it to you throughout 2023 um so let's talk about first of all the economy so I've read a statistic that um experts believe it's likely to shrink in by 1.4 percent in 2023 how accurate do you think that stat is it's a it's a good it's, a, it's that's from the um, office of budget responsibility so they have kind of teams of teams and teams of people working on it um and they've got much better access to data data than i than i have so i think yeah i i think they they kind of they kind of know their know their onions um and the economy kind of shrank um by 0.2 percent between july and september so the, the the debate is are we going into a, a technical recession um which is um essentially two quarters a quarter's three months so two quarters six months of of negative growth and what does negative growth means it's based on what we call gross domestic product which is just basically the value of things we build um and produce right so basically it's saying we've made less stuff um in that three months than we than we made the previous um three three months or whichever the period they're comparing it to you know i looked into you know recessions what is a recession we talk about this two quarters of of negative growth and there's it's quite a vague vague term there's no um kind of academic or technical analysis basis for that definition um and people cleverer than me have traced it back to um it was first used in a new york times article in 1974 um and it's basically been used ever since that oh two quarters negative growth is a recession so that's quite it, a good point actually we talk about oh we're going into recession but do people actually know exactly what that means do the people that even use the word know exactly the quantitative definition of that so it's two yeah. quarters of negative growth two quarters of negative so six months you have negative growth and and so we always kind of we talked about you say about 1.4 percent uh negative in in 2020 2023 if we look from 1949 to the current time the average growth gdp growth is 2.3 percent so the economy grows just over two percent generally on average a year and we're saying it will shrink back kind of 1.4 percent so you know to put that in context that's losing about half a year's growth so it always sounds you know the bark's worse than its bite i think um isn't a recession uh inevitable and actually arguably needed when you've got high interest rates government that are trying to control uh inflation you almost want less produce because you've got people buying less things yeah it's a good i mean it's a good point isn't it do we i suppose that on a more i suppose philosophical point do we just always need more stuff right because yeah. it is is more always always better you know yeah. we can question whether it whether it is or not and i think you know we inflation's the I kind of agree when people say inflation's the killer because you know if we just give everyone more money um and there's the same amount of stuff to buy 
well, no one, no one's actually better off, right? We're just buying the same stuff, um, but that we're we're paying more for it. Now we need, we do need inflation um, because if if we didn't have inflation, we wouldn't buy things. I know that sounds crazy, but if I thought it was going to be cheaper tomorrow, I would wait, yeah. right? And yeah. that's that would that would be that would really get us going on a recession, right? If everybody thought stuff was going to be cheaper tomorrow, we wouldn't yeah. buy stuff today. Whereas positive inflation is good because it means well, I will buy it this year because it's going to cost me more next year so it's in my interest too um and that helps fuel growth in the economy because people are kind of buying stuff i'm i'm just a great believer of acceptance um acceptance in as a as a race is just quite a good thing to to do and then you just accept the position and you just get on with it um and yeah an interesting one so 2023 we're not going to let, let you off the hook on this one we are going to ask you some awkward questions, which we, of course, will hold you to. Yeah, good. Um, <laughs> so what do we think is going to happen to transactional volume? Uh, for me, that's the most important one, whether house prices go up or down. Um, largely speaking, taking out personal circumstances for people, just so everyone is underst understanding that point. Yeah. But largely speaking is irrelevant. Is transactional volume from an estate agency business that is the only important one. What's going to happen with house prices and where do you think interest rates will be by the end of the year and inflation where are we going to where are we going to be okay so i start i start with house prices go for it um so for those people unlucky enough to have heard the previous episode um we talked about or i talked about how i think house prices are kind of um eight percent ahead of ahead of trend so <clears throat> my forecast is for house prices to come off eight percent so to see house prices fall by eight percent uh next year and um, you know interestingly i my analysis that led to that actually ties in with what the obr are saying i mean probably more by luck than judgment as, as i mentioned they've got much bigger teams than i have but yeah i, I think which is still 16 percent up on where we were at the start of the of lockdown one but mm -hmm. i think i think we are going to see um yeah those house price falls things have got a bit ahead of themselves we've had that demand fueled by stamp duty and by people having kind of more savings during lockdown i'm sure not many people think we've got all these great savings now that cost of living is going up but there, there is still a lot of people who've you know kind of were able to squirrel away money uh, during the lockdowns and that, that has also been fueling the, the house price inflation mm -hmm. okay so we think house price well mm. Anthony Codling from Twin <laughs> House price prices will go down eight percent across the year. Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. That's, that's set in that's stone. Good, but that's interesting. Interesting point. It's going. They're, they're going to do something, aren't they? It's it's very unlikely that they're going to increase. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Fueled fueled by what? Is that by um, transactional volume drop? <laughs> Is that interest rate rise? So I did a, I did a piece um, last week, which you can see on the on the website, why we're not going to have a house price crash, and um, we've so interest rates are essentially closing some people out of the housing market, and so because they're out of the housing market, they won't impact prices unfortunately because you know they're not they're not a participant, therefore their situation doesn't impact house prices. And what what we saw over the definitely during the, the the global financial crisis we've we've seen just a, a, a reduction in trend levels of housing transactions so housing transactions have never got back to where they were 
pre-global financial crisis they kind of jumped down they've come up a bit but they've 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 stabilized at a lower equilibrium so a lower stable rate and my view is that's because a whole number of people have been priced out because of deposits right so unless you've got a certain level of deposit or access to bank of mom and dad you, you cannot participate in the housing market and i think we'll see that again with interest rates higher, we'll see another kind of cohort of people shut out of the housing market. So I think mm. transactions will fall more than house prices, because okay. if you if you can afford a house, mortgages are affordable. Yeah, I know it sounds a, a crazy thing to say, but if if you have the deposit and you can um, get the the loan at the right loan to income, loan to value, then actually interest rates, even though they're going up, are still, in the context of history, very affordable. And and we're spending kind of 15.5% of our income on average on our mortgage payments, whereas the long run average is 19%. So in that sense, you know, it is, I know many people are saying, I'm crazy for saying it, but it is affordable on that basis, but without the big deposit, it's, you, you you can't play in the market essentially. Yeah, the, the, so back in the two thousand seven two thousand eight era, there was prior to that there was the um, self cert mortgage, wasn't there? Where you, yeah. you just certified you you didn't have to go through a multiple of how much you were actually earning. You just certified to the lender, yes, I can afford this mortgage, and <laughs> and that that's probably created a lot lots of people around the UK that actually can't move or haven't been able to move for some time because they haven't had the salary multiples to be able to buy at the level that they needed to buy at correct yeah Yeah, no uh, absolutely and so what you're saying is what we might see is the is a replica of that but for different reasons Mm -hmm. this time around which will drive transactional volume down yeah that that's what that's what i think and you know we saw um tsb were saying today that they are essentially ruling out new build mortgages with deposits of less than 10 percent because they just you know don't know what's going to happen and they are um i don't think they're going to be alone we're also going to see what we call credit conditions tightening so you'll see um especially if freelancers self-employed you'll see the income multiples coming down you know it's the stories that we used to see you know one missed payment on your credit card or one missed payment on your mobile phone and that rules you out of a mortgage so i think fewer mortgages are going to be available and that's what's again that's what's going to hurt transactions more than more than house prices so um transactional volume you said that would have a bigger impact than prices what what's your prediction please mr codling yeah so you know bearing in mind my prediction this year this year yeah still this year isn't it in 2022 we get, it was for one to 1.1 million and we're going to come out i think one 1.25 yeah, yeah. so my my forecast is good for for 2023 is just just below a million housing transactions so i'm going to say 960,000 for spurious accuracy um <laughs> which now this is the figure that's going to scare people which is going to be down 23 percent on 2022 right. right now that sounds a horrible figure to be down 23 percent but you know in the context of 1.25 million down to a million actually it's not you know it's yeah. not about that's still an awful lot of people moving houses um yeah. you know and i know we've spoken before uh, ian about kind of a natural rate of of house moving the the need based moved versus the aspirational based move and 
again, looking back at the, the global financial crisis where transactions went down to kind of 770, 790,000, 2008, 2009. And that to me is that that base level of life goes on, people's circumstances change, you know, that sort of number of moves will happen. Um, so we're saying kind of 20% uh, ahead of that, a million. So there's, you know, a number of 200,000 kind of aspirational moves, as well as the moves that that have to happen. Hmm. Interesting. <clears throat> um, inflation. You mentioned that you thought <clears throat> that inflation might start to come down H two of uh, next year. What should we go for? I, I th- I'm going to say three percent at the end of the year. Really? That's that's interesting. There was a there was the first. Um, person i don't i don't know the individual that actually said that with it about three weeks ago is it from the international monetary fund that said that the interest rates are sorry inflation has now technically peaked and will come down to the two percent level quicker than people thought you're you're off that camp yeah yeah i hope yeah i mean i hope again like this is inflation is one of the ones i'd be happy to be wrong on you know in, in terms of it, it to be lower than i than, than yeah. i think but i think yeah, <clears throat> yeah i'll go i'll go with I'll go with three, three percent. So, what's my base for that? So, the, I think the, the, again, the smart people are suggesting that um, bearing my bank rate kind of is going to lead this. So, the the, the Bank of England's uh, setting. So, that we still think that bank rate will peak around five and a quarter percent, um, kind of September next year. Now, some people are already thinking that might peak up. 4.75 you know things are improving post the the autumn statement but i'm i'm sticking with the the kind of the 5.25 and then i think it will kind of start to come down i don't think it will come down as quickly as it went up but i think we will be on that on that path down um it's from september onwards uh next year okay which <clears throat> which for a lot of homeowners or the majority of homeowners um is which is good news it's not bad news in that it, you know with 96% of people currently buying fixed rate mortgages and 85% of people currently with a fixed rate mortgage you know for most people i know it's really painful if you're not in the, in that majority but for most people the current movement in interest rates and bank rate won't affect them because they're in a fixed rate period yeah. so if your fixed rate period is ending kind of in september onwards or even better in 2024 yeah i think people will be pleasantly surprised okay. at what they'll be able to remortgage at compared mm. to what the market's doing now there might be one of us whose uh, fixed rate ends in june of next year okay I'm up, so, so one of us might be talking to you about what to do at that point. <laughs> here's a clue it's not me <laughs> um so anthony one question i had for you was around that um stamp duty cut that we had um this year so that they've extended it to well they've said it's going to end march is it march 2024 24 so do you if without that do you think we would be seeing a measurable difference in transactions mm. this year next year sorry in 2023 i i know i don't i i don't think it makes a huge difference because during again before the before this the, the the covid stamp duty holidays you know i said all that's going to happen is we're going to see a big spike in housing transactions you know and Fortunately, (laughs) that is what we saw in that every time there was um, a deadline for the stamp duty holiday, we saw a massive spike in transactions because we're all 
um, I include myself, you know, we're all procrastinators and we're all lazy and we all leave things, you know, has anyone had an essay crisis? You know, we all leave things till the last minute to get done. And it's the same, it's the same, ironically, with the biggest financial decision you ever make in your life, buying a house. So I think things will rumble on and then you'll see a surge of activity, you know, which your members, you know, feel the pain much more than I do because they just absolutely snowed under with work in the lead up to those uh, to, to those deadlines hmm. yeah so what you're saying is hmm. we need an episode early 2024 where we can see where we can look at that peak and see what's going on exactly duty cuts yeah we haven't touched much on lettings um transactions for lettings etc so um th- thoughts on that please yeah i mean the let the lettings market as as you know is is going like an absolute train um yeah. at the moment and partly that's going to be you know, it's the it's the flip side. <clears throat> it's the flip side from home buyers. So as we're seeing, um, you know, my my reduction in forecast for housing transactions. The flip side of that is more demand for um for rental properties, yeah. um for two reasons. One, people are going to be staying in rental property longer. Yeah. And secondly, you've still got more people coming in to the rental market as they leave home. There's the, the general population growth and change of age and stage. So you've got more more demand. And then you've got the other, you know, fascinating dynamic of more regulation, um, less tax benefits for landlords, EPC, da, da, da. You know, are we going to see um, an exit of landlords? So are we going to see a contraction in yeah. the the stock of rented accommodation as the number of people wanting to rent is growing? You know, and <clears throat> there's all sorts of, you know, even the kind of broad broadsheets are you know having really scary tales of you know people saying was i saw one the other day they're saying oh yeah please um provide 24 months upfront annual cv and your reason why you should be renting my property kind of thing <laughs> just because there's so much demand out there yeah. at the moment um now this could this i think there's a potential huge opportunity for a first-time buyer here if we can marry up the exiting landlords with um the the first time buyers because the the landlords that are going to be looking to exit on the the scale of properties it's probably going to be the ones with the lower epcs because they're the ones that are going to have to have the cost of investment so that's going to impact price if the price is lower that's really good for first time buyer and yeah all of the growth not all of the growth the majority of the growth in the private rented sector um over the last 15 years has been in what was typically a first time buyer property a one yeah. two bedroom flat yeah. so again could be left field but could be good for home ownership okay very interesting right so let's just recap so we've had uh predictions of a house price drop by eight percent that's quite a quite an achievable affordable it sounds quite extreme but in my mind an okay realignment um yep. easy for me to say but but that's you know that's my thought my thought so eight percent eight percent drop um, we've seen transactional volume at 960,000, which is uh, a 23% reduction on this year, potentially. Inflation down to 3% mm-hmm. by the end of next year. Interest rate prediction, did we sort of, we touched on it, but did we confirm where do you think the swap rate might be by the end of the year? <clears throat> Oh, that'd be bold, wouldn't it? Going for a swap rate forecast. Um, I, I, be too difficult. I think, <laughs> well, it, it'd be difficult to get right. It won't be difficult to make, but it'd be difficult yeah. to get. Um, the, so I, I think, I think um, 
So talking December, aren't we? December 2023. Oh, this is so risky. Bank rate three and a half. Okay. So very difficult. I mean, there's so many different variables, aren't there? You yeah. Know, the, the Ukraine war. There was a Putin. Putin allegedly last week said, "I'm prepared to have a conversation." Um, you know, the things could change dramatically. Oh, yeah. If if that if that situation, you know, God willing, resolves itself sooner yeah. rather than later, then that would have a, a really positive impact i mean obviously first of all for ukraine but um for for economies across the globe that would be yeah, yeah that'd be amazing amazing news I, th- I think the other thing to which i should have said with with the interest rates um as the bank rate goes up um there's a thing called the we call the spread so the diff basically the difference between bank rate and your actual mortgage rate um which in really simple terms is you could say is like the profit margin that a bank makes it's not quite as straightforward as that but um and what we've seen as bank rate goes up is those spreads come down so that's good news for homeowners because it means that um essentially less of the increase is being passed on so essentially the banks are taking the hit they're taking a smaller profit number so they don't so they can remain competitive in in the mortgage market so although bank rates going to continue to go up and I guess by the time this has gone out, <laughs> I feel like I've, have I got news for you? You know, if it's already happened, um, you know, three and a half percent we're we're expecting on Thursday. Um, yeah. You know, so we think that so mortgage rates will still tend up, um, even though those swap rates have started coming down. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got you. Even though you haven't asked for this, it's scary, isn't it? So I think mortgage rates, I, I think they're going to be around. I think they're going to start with a five by the end of the year which is down from where they are because they're around you know the the kind of your two rate your two-year fixed at 95 at 75 at 90 all around the six six and a half percent at the moment yeah um so i think we'll see those come down um and uh, to five and maybe if we're really fortunate you know start with a four but i think that's that's the level level we're going to get to against the long run average of kind of six six and a half so still in the context of history um not that scary yeah indeed and that is just a, a bit of balance to put back into the marketplace isn't it to, to you know educate the consumer you know educate educate your customers of what the average looks like over the last 25 years but in order yeah. to to educate you first have to be educated yourself of course last question for me before i hand over to, to holly there was an article that i read whilst lying on a beach last week which was the, the government it's, a hard, it's a hard life isn't it? yeah uh, it was my honeymoon um, which I did delay for the Guild Tour for the purposes. Oh, of look at that! I know commitment, commitment always. Um, there was a, an article about the government easing financial regulations now that Brexit's happened. Um, what what does that act? What did it actually mean? If you don't mind, just uh, helping me with that. And what's the implication to the housing market, if any? This has got nothing to do with Brexit, right? So it's, it's nothing to do with Brexit. What in terms of regulations? What what has happened is that um, a growing number of people are thinking the UK is losing its competitiveness in the financial markets, which has been our our kind of our mainstay and you know or is our is our you know our biggest industry. And they're saying, okay, how can we make it more competitive? How can we win that back? And they're saying, oh, actually, if we if we reduce some of the the red tape and the rules, that would encourage um, more activity. So 
in in a way a bit like you have um kind of development zones and economic growth zones you know it's like that how how do we encourage how do we foster more business to happen and so you know one of the ways and the one that gets headlines is you know that oh you know we'll we'll take the the rules off bankers bonuses or something like that you know which it's because you know I'm sure if you're earning 20 million pounds, you know, you'll think, well, if only I was earning 22, then I'd come to the UK and work. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I, I don't think it works like that. But what they're trying to do is make it easier for business to happen, which, yeah. you know, on one level is a very good thing. The the slight concern I have, and I haven't seen the detail uh, yet, is a lot of the things, uh, the, the rules they're looking to change are rules we put in place as we exited the global financial crisis yeah. and you kind of think let's be let's think carefully <laughs> because we put yeah. those those things in for a reason um so you know and i'm sure people will be sensible this time around um and you know but yeah we we wait and see what what does that mean what does that mean for the for the housing market if we create more wealth you know and it ends up with more economic growth and and higher wages then it's only going to be supportive and underpin house prices in my view. Because there was an article two or three months ago where Paris was actually considered to be the stronger centre for finance uh, for the first time ever over London. Yeah, and a lot of that, well, I say a lot, I, there, there was definitely a big element of that was down to exchange rates. Right, okay. So it's, uh, you know, is it, isn't it? And and there's certain markets where where the French has always been bigger than us. But that, that you know, the, the the scare stories you read there are it's all oh, this this huge exodus of of kind of people and companies leaving London and going to um, kind of other financial centres. But I know I'm biased. My own view is that you know London's days are not done yet at all. Right. I mean, it, it's you know it's one of the three major in my mind financial capitals and it will still be one of the three major financial capitals in 5 10 15 20 yeah, years time i agree i agree right Holly, any questions from your good self i don't think i've got any questions at all but i am looking forward to catching up with you in the new year looking back on some of these predictions and just measuring to see how we're getting on with them um and i just want to say thank you anthony for your contribution over the last few months for the home stretch and um, and i just want to say as well that with Twindig, so I subscribe to your email, to your newsletters, and I think they're weekly, aren't they? So yeah, I yeah. I get an update to my inbox every week from Twindig, which is so useful. It really keeps you in the know. Um, so I would recommend to Guild members to, and anyone listening, in fact, to to have a look at Twindig and just check that out and get make sure that you're getting the data directly to your inbox. Yeah, um, again, Anthony, sorry that we can't meet up. We were going to do this uh, in person, but the train strike put uh, put, put pay to that, unfortunately. Indeed, um, it's, you know, disaster everywhere. You know, we're all trying to cope with slippery pavements, which is a disaster, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we're just, we're just not good at this, are we? <laughs> it's slight bad weather. It might be one of the financial capitals, but a little bit of snow. Yeah, grind has fallen. fallen. <laughs> yeah, so I'll just uh, echo echo um, Holly's comment of uh, Anthony. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. I love talking to you. It's, it's the easiest podcast in the world because it's just so brilliantly interesting, and you're so good at the delivery. So thank you very much for that. And to reiterate the point, uh, agents, um, Twindig, go and have a look at it. See your property, follow properties, sign up for a newsletter, and we'll yeah, we do um, a, a regular newsletter, and we do a monthly the market update which says what's happening to property prices where you live 
you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of uncertainty. So I'm always happy when kind of major stuff changes to kind of give you my view if, if it's of interest to people on, you know, what we think, how to react to what we're seeing um, in the in the broader economy. Well, it absolutely is of interest to people. So we will certainly be speaking to you in the new year. And it's frightfully close to Christmas. So Merry Christmas. Andrew. Yeah, have a great Christmas, you <laughs> and everyone listening. Yeah, have a good one. And let's let's hit let's hit 2023 running. I think we all will. Awesome. Thank you so much, Anthony. Okay. Thank Cheers. You. Bye. Bye. Bye.